Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you so much for pulling your chair up to the cool kids table. Today, we are going to have a fun chat. Phil Gerbacek has been on the show before, so we don't follow the regular list of questions. We're just going to go wherever this goes. But before we get started, I have to thank the first sponsor of this episode. So many of you offer physical products to your fans and your customers. But dealing with all that physical stuff and going to the post office to mail it, that can be a pain and it steals your precious time. Well, my friends at Amplifier, they blend order fulfillment, screen printing, and on-demand production into a single self-service platform that you fully control. And they're who I'm working with, with those Try New Things t-shirts that we've talked about here on the show before. You can go to trynewthings.shop and order a t-shirt for yourself, and that will be printed by the great people at Amplifier. They can integrate your e-commerce shop and help drive your giveaway campaigns. They are great for internet powerhouse companies, as well as entrepreneurs who are just starting out. On-demand means no inventory risk, so as you grow, you don't have to worry about inventory, but when you're ready for that, you can stock up because Amplifier will handle that for you too. Jump over to amplifier.com slash cool things and check out the offer that they have. Sign up today, man. So speaking of today, Phil Gerbacek is here. He was on the show a long, long time ago, and we talked about the introduction of Sales Navigator on LinkedIn. Well, by now, you know what Sales Navigator is for sure. However, Phil is back because we are going to talk today about the intersection of sales, marketing, and tech. And that's actually really fascinating. I ran into Phil at a conference in Florida, in Tampa, where he lives. He uh, gets to live in the sunny beach town of Tampa, and... Uh, we, we hung out uh, at a beachside cafe for a little while and talked, and, and he was just talking about this intersection. And really, if you own a business or you're going to start a business or you're just working for somebody else, you know that sales matters, marketing matters, and tech, we can't live without it. But oftentimes, I don't think we think about how they come together. So Phil Gerbacek, welcome back to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Oh, thank you, Tom. It's great to be here, man. I'm going to check out that amplifier myself. I mean, that sounds like a heck of a sponsor, dude. They, That's a great solution. So they are they are great. They do screen printing. And I'm just doing t-shirts right now off of, uh, when I speak, I've got the whole like module piece about try new things. But people are already asking me for mugs and I have some stickers and stuff like that. And it's like, okay, let's just see if we can sell a few shirts. But they can do all the screen printing and they can do it one at a time. I mean, it's a little more expensive than if I print 5,000 shirts. But you know what? People are starting to buy them, but I don't need 5,000 shirts here right now. So uh, they yeah. and they're a great partner to work with. So call them today. Find out find out what they offer, uh, and they'll they'll tell you what they do. Awesome! I can't wait, man. Can't wait. Well, and I'll tell you what. That's a perfect example of sales, marketing, and tech. Is absolutely exactly what they do. So Phil, let's talk about your philosophy around how these three intersect and where people screw up. Yeah. So first let's, let's talk about the sales piece. And that's the piece that really powers the other two, because if we don't sell anything, it's really hard to fund the other two. It's really hard to say, get excited about anything if we don't have any money. So sales is often the hardest thing. It's the most important thing. And yet in many cases, it's actually the easiest thing because we don't know what the heck we do, but sometimes somehow somebody bought it. So that's cool, right? That's the sales piece. If we do it right, then we have a process and we think about our sales process and aligning that with the customer's journey and what they want, where that overlap is. And sometimes there are things that the customer wants that we don't want to do. And we may have things that the customer doesn't want to do that we need them to do in order to make that work. So the goal is to help the customer see how that aligns with their needs. It's all about the value. And that then leads us into marketing, right? The story the way that we weave our story into theirs, into their needs. Uh, my friend Phil Jones is a genius. He wrote a book called Exactly What to Say, right? He, Phil's been on the show. He has been a guest on my show. Of course he has, right? So Phil's great. Um, Phil talks about these magic words. Because you said, therefore this, right? So if we think about that, that's the marketing piece that we can really inject into that sales. Because what happens is, 
if our marketing isn't on point and it isn't aligned again with our customer's journey and our sales process, we miss out. We miss out on the opportunity to say, because you said, therefore I have this, because our salespeople are like, what, what, what am I doing here? I don't know. You got, we got marketing. Are you kidding me? Like, where is it? It's not on the website. Uh, what? Uh, so it has to be visible marketing. And that leads us to the third piece. And that's the tech, right? The technology behind it. Now I'm not talking about tech for tech's sake, Tom, let me be really clear here. I could give a crap if you use a piece of paper and a pen. In fact, I often do. I'm taking notes right here, right? I take notes all day long, every meeting that I have, but I integrate that with my tech. So I might type up the notes or if I'm really being fancy, I've got a rocket book. This is a rocket book. I can take a picture of this and then scan that in and it'll automatically translate. But it's not tech for tech's sake. It's tech because I like the old schoolness of taking notes. It processes in my brain better when I'm talking to someone. And then I like the fact that it's digitized, that I can then search it later because what did I say? What are we talking about? Oh, good. Oh, that's right. I talked to Tom Singer three weeks ago about the intersection of marketing, sales, and tech, and therefore I found it. So as we kind of put those together in a nice Venn diagram, they're never going to be a complete overlap. That's the first mistake a lot of businesses think, oh, it's just one job. Hold up. It's not just one job. You need someone who loves technology who understands a little bit of marketing and understands some tech. And then you need someone who loves sales more than probably anything else they do and understands that marketing helps get us qualified leads and sells the idea. And then of course we've got marketing who loves to make marketing stuff. And when we overlap those and we cover up that little sliver, I've been pretty fortunate to have some very unique jobs. I've been a VP of sales right? I've been a VP of IT and I've been an acting CMO uh, in some startups and some smaller companies. I have that perspective and, and I help you see that because often what happens is we just think about it from our one circle and not from the three circles. And if we really put it together, right, it's really a three-legged stool. We have that, those three circles, they sit on top, but then we have things that branch out and those are the people that help us execute those things, and we forget about those people and we just focus too much on the silos and that's often when we get in trouble. So there's a history, if you've you know, been in the business world for a long time, that marketing and sales don't always get along. Yeah, Sales always complains that marketing isn't bringing in any real leads, it's all crap or they don't know what they're doing. So a customer asks about something, they didn't know that that special existed, whatever. Uh, marketing always complains that the salespeople are dropping the ball, they're not doing anything with the leads, they're not doing that. But in the last decade or two, we've added in tech, and now you've got a three-way war going on in a lot of companies because everybody's pointing fingers. So you're talking about this intersection. How do we first get the three different you know, principles of the three different areas in business to even understand that why the others are equally as important? Well, that's an excellent question, and that's often the hardest solution. Uh, but I think it, it starts by getting the three leaders of those organizations together and agree on some language, agree on what really powers the business. And at first, I would tell you, right, sales does power the business. If we don't sell, doesn't matter. Okay. But marketing feeds into that sales process because marketing is developing those stories because we know that customers are doing more and more research than they've ever done before. Customers are expecting to see press releases and email newsletters and tweets and Facebook posts and blog posts and case studies and podcasts and videos and books and lions and tigers and bears. Oh my, right. Mm -hmm. They're expecting that. Well, if marketing doesn't produce that sales now has to do marketing's job too. And that's really not fair because that's not sales. Well, sales job is to contextualize the marketing message in that and then leverage the tech because tech makes it, much less frictionable, right? It's much less harder because tech can be the grease that makes the gears spin faster. Or if your tech isn't good, it can be what grinds your organization to a halt. Like if you don't have a CRM and your sales and your marketing team don't know what's in your pipeline, holy cow. Now you're like, well, our tech sucks. Well, no, no, your tech doesn't suck. It doesn't even exist. 
So we get them together first and we get them to agree on some language. And then from there, then they have to attend each other's meetings. And a lot of times that means marketing attends sales meetings and, and tech attends the sales meetings because salespeople, right? They're the only ones that are based solely on production because they're the ones responsible for closing the sale, right? Marketing might open it up, tech enables the sale and greases it through, but the salesperson, the sales team still has to close the sale. And that's not a bad word, okay? For those of you listening, thinking, oh, people hate to be closed. No, hold on. They like to have a decision made and then they like help implementing that decision. That's the close, not, hey, here's 74 ways. You want to buy a pen, Tom? Let me tell you how to buy this pen. Waka, waka, waka. No, no, no. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking the decision is made, and now we can move to implementation. We can move from sales, marketing, and tech into service delivery, and that's important. So that's great, you know, that they attend each other's meetings and they understand what's going on, but most of the people who listen to cool things entrepreneurs do are small businesses. So if you're a solo, let's take this down to – you and me, if you're a solopreneur and you don't have the Phil Gerbacek background of sales, marketing, and tech, you know, I have a sales background and then a little bit of a marketing background. I went from sales into a marketing role, but I was really a sales guy in a marketing role and I was hired for that. I mean, I think they actually called me business development because that was sort of uh. like, like how to create this hybrid thing. But I'm not really that tech savvy. It, as it turns out, I pick it up pretty quick after somebody beats me over the head with it. But I didn't grow up. I'm old enough where I'm not a digital native, right? I grew up, you know, there were still slide rules when I was a kid. Now, we didn't use them when I was in school, but I have older brothers. And I remember they when I was like three, I thought the slide rule was just a cool little toy. But they exist. They were in my house. So I didn't grow up with the tech side. So how does an individual bring all three together? Well, first, you have to understand where your strength or, and or passion lies. So what are you most interested in? Is it the sales side? Is it the marketing side or the tech side? Those are the three pieces you need to really get your head around. Now, if your head is in love with the service delivery side, okay, that's the fourth one that we didn't talk a lot about, but I want to explain this for an entrepreneur, the difference between working in your business, service delivery is working in, the other three help you work on your business. And in your business, that's okay, but that means you're a service provider, which means you're not really leveraging your business, as well as you could. And I suffer from this sometimes. I'm sure you do too, Tom. As an entrepreneur, right, this is the thing. We get so busy delivering the service that we don't fill anything in the pipeline. Okay. So start there. What are you most interested in? Do you like sales, marketing, or tech? And then hire a consultant. Hire someone that's going to come in and say, okay, well, Tom, you're great at sales and that's fantastic. You can close these deals. Heck, you can open some of these deals too. That, that's great. But what are you doing from a marketing side to keep that pipeline full? Or is it just, oh, crap, in 90 days, my pipeline's empty and I hope like hell the phone rings. If that's the case, right, if that's the case, then you're always in the hunt mode and you're never really growing except by increasing your fees. So you have to be careful of that, okay? So hire a consultant to come in and say, okay, well, here's what you could do to build a strategy to really sit down with you, to take some time and to really dig out of you what that what you love, how you can do more of that, and then how we can take the other two pieces and really then put those into play. Now, you might have to hire a couple consultants, actually, because if you only get one of these or you're, you're worried that you're going to get too much to do, you might need to hire a couple or, you know, you hire someone and you bring in then some executioners, right? Some people to do the work, not to kill you, right? To actually do the work. Because often... We get this great strategy, and then three months later, we're like, oh, I'm so tired. Oh, my gosh, I'm so tired delivering service. I don't know what to do, so I'm just going to let everything go. And then you're in the race again, and now we're trying to film more. So I would say, you know, get a consultant, get some people to help you do the work, um, and then review those goals, right? Review what your targets were. What were you trying to accomplish as a result of the new strategy? Let it run for probably six months. The first 90 days, you're going to be learning to run. The next 30 to 60 days, you're going to be running faster. And hopefully by that day 180, you're really running strong. And now we can just tweak your engine just a little bit to, to help you propel a little faster. So that's really good advice and something that, you know, I've been working for myself now. April 1st will mark 10 years that I've been working entirely for myself as a speaker and, and feeding the family and, and paying the mortgage 
all from just that. There's been no, there's wow. been no other income source other than that now for a whole decade. Uh, and I've had good years and I've had bad years and there've been struggles. Uh, 2017 was a great year. It was the record year. 2018 was a little bit more of a struggle. And part of that came from the fact that I got stretched too thin uh, in the fact that because I had such a great 2017, which bled into 2018, that a lot of it was I was off servicing. Well, when I service, it's not just, oh, you're giving a speech. How great. I'm gone for three days. And one of the things I didn't take into effect is how little I get done when I'm on the road. Now, that's okay because you got to take care of yourself. If you're going to be really great for your audience, you have to be able to be on. So you can't be stretched too thin. But it also meant that I wasn't doing some of the things I needed to do. So at the end of last year, I hired a salesperson. And, you know, I gave it a long runway. I mean, I gave it a runway that it was going to be a year. And, and if he didn't work out, it was going to cost me a lot of money. However, early on, he paid for like the first three months. And, you know, as we move now in, you know, as we're a couple months now into 2019, you know, we're seeing the progress. So uh, there, is a, there is a runway of things that if you're going to hire a consultant or if you're going to hire a salesperson or if you're going to work with, you know, some sort of a third party uh, person that you collaborate with or whatever, I think one of the mistakes people make <clears throat> is they think, oh, three months, we didn't get results. They're fired. And, you know, I saw that in my own, my own life. I said, I have to make a commitment, you know, to working with this guy for a year. And he has to have the, the freedom to beat me up a little bit because he's my systems guy. I'm not a systems oriented person. So he's marrying sort of sales, marketing and tech for me and, you know, driving me into that lane. Uh, what other what are other mistakes that you see people make where they fail? Well, you mentioned the big one about driving yourself too thin. That's one. Uh, another one is thinking you don't need this stuff. Thinking that you can just let it happen is a big mistake as well. Um, business isn't magic. What? I'm sorry, for wait. What? I know you can my, quote my me. My whole that business time. plan is three drops of magic fairy dust with a unicorn horn. Sprinkle, sprinkle, sprinkle. Right. So. It doesn't work. So that's that whole magic thing. Uh, hope and pray, not a strategy either. Um, I think another thing that that uh, businesses forget to do is really being clear on who your target audience is. Your best target audience is one who not only hires you, but also refers you out. Now, I'm not saying that's the only person you serve. That's not it at all. What I'm saying is know who your best audience is because they will help you grow the business. So whoever your best customer is, how do you replicate them? What qualities do they have? What things have they said to you that you can use? So another way that businesses forget and, and flub up a little bit is they don't ask their favorite customers like, so why did you like working with me? What was it about me that you enjoyed the most? And of course, the other way, right? How can I improve? How can I get better? And the answer to the how can I get better or how, you know, what did you like most isn't always going to be perfect. A lot of times they don't even understand what you're asking there. So give them an example. For instance, when we worked on this project, you mentioned that you really liked the fact that I was very responsive in my emails. Can you talk a little bit more about why responsiveness is really good? And then let them talk. And if you can try to get it on camera, but if not record it and then use their words, don't try to edit it to be perfect. Use those words because then when you talk to others like them, again, this is where the ideal customer comes in. When you're talking to others like them, that language is still magic for them as well. Cause they're like, Oh yeah, that makes so much sense. So Phil, I could talk to you all day about this stuff cause you're so damn smart. But first I have to thank the other sponsor of this episode. Yeah, there's two. As always, this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that you're going to sound amazing. They do all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing really cool people like Phil Gerbacek. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know a lot of you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. So, Phil, when I think of Phil Gerbacek, yeah, there's sales, there's marketing, but I think tech. But where I really think your expertise lies is I think you're the best expert I know when it comes to using LinkedIn as a tool 
for business. So I have a question. Is LinkedIn sales? Is it marketing? Or is it tech? It is all three. No, I think I knew that answer. Of course you did, right? So it really is. But why is it tech, right? So it's an app on your phone. It's sales navigator. It's a messaging platform. It's marketing because it has the ability to update your status, which is like a Facebook wall or like a Twitter post. It's the ability to write a full-on article, to upload video. Now, as of this week, they just launched it, Tom, that you can actually upload documents. Pretty crazy stuff. Right to your status. So now we can do that. It's also got point drive. So wait, so now, let's back up. So this would have been a yeah. couple months ago from the time we recorded this when you say just this right. week, people are going to be like, yeah. that is old well, news. Well, they're, they're rolling it out, right? They haven't so, rolled it out to everybody so yet. So what type of documents? Tell me, I haven't, I haven't seen this at the time yes. we recorded it. By the time By the time it's airing, I'll probably be uploading documents every day. What is it? Yeah, so in our status on LinkedIn, we have the ability to upload a PDF, upload a Word document, or upload a PowerPoint. We'd already had the ability to upload um, video. So this is a pretty big deal. And it's interesting, though, there's no capture there, which means I have no idea. I just show off this cool thing. So Point Drive is basically the up, the upgraded version of that. Point Drive is inside of Sales Navigator, which is, again, it's a sales tool, a tech tool, and a marketing tool because marketing could give us a beautiful PDF that then we send to our clients that then we get alerted when they, when they click on the link and go in. And then sales then follows up with a phone call. Ring, ring. Hey, Tom, I see you just looked at this cool things entrepreneur thing. And entrepreneurs do document that I put together for you. Did you have some questions that I could help you answer? And you're like, well, how'd you know that? Well, it's not magic. It's technology. So, you know, link, LinkedIn has all three. And I would tell you the reason that I love it the most, of course, is because it has all three, but also because that's where your audience lives. If you're a B2B salesperson, if you work with other businesses, every Fortune 500 is there. Every, two, every second, two people join. LinkedIn. Hmm. LinkedIn is number one for recruiting. There's no other tool out there, well, so which that, means people are joining. So that's something that comes up when I talk about like my, my talk connecting with people in a gadget crazy yeah. world. One of the things I always tell people is if you're not on LinkedIn, you're not going to get found by recruiters. Now that's great if you're 65 years old and retiring in October, but if you think there's any chance that you might want to change jobs or that you might have to change jobs or that the world could throw you out on your ass and you have to get a job, you know, you can't wait till that time. And and I talk about, I've actually interviewed recruiters uh, and they've told me that, look, 20 years ago, we needed those, those, those hub people. Like I was one of them. I have a lot of recruiter friends because, you know, back in the nineties, if they needed to know somebody working in and around tech in Austin, I knew everybody. I was really well networked. They needed to know those people who were the hubs. And they go, now you don't matter to me as much because it's great that you network and you go out and, I, and my career has changed. I'm not as well plugged into the tech community in Austin, but if I was, they don't need me because they can just kind of find people through the electronic technical thing. So I'm always amazed when when you say two people a second are joining or whatever that was. I'm still amazed that everyone's not there. So why why are there people listening to this show right now who either don't have a LinkedIn profile or have what I call a lame LinkedIn profile, which is the one where they signed up once and they have three friends and one of them is their brother? Why would somebody either have no profile or a lame profile in 2019? Well, I think the first reason is because people are very comfortable where they are right now, and they don't think they're ever going to need to network at all. Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you so much for pulling your chair up to the cool kids' table. Today, we are going to have a fun chat. Phil Gerbacek has been on the show before, so we don't follow the regular list of questions. We're just going to go wherever this goes. But before we get started, I have to thank the first sponsor of this episode. So many of you offer physical products to your fans and your customers. But dealing with all that physical stuff and going to the post office to mail it, that can be a pain and it steals your precious time. Well, my friends at Amplifier, they blend order fulfillment, screen printing, 
and on-demand production into a single self-service platform that you fully control. And they're who I'm working with, with those Try New Things t-shirts that we've talked about here on the show before. You can go to trynewthings.shop and order a t-shirt for yourself, and that will be printed by the great people at Amplifier. They can integrate your e-commerce shop and help drive your giveaway campaigns. They are great for internet powerhouse companies, as well as entrepreneurs who are just starting out. On-demand means no inventory risk, so as you grow, you don't have to worry about inventory, but when you're ready for that, you can stock up because Amplifier will handle that for you too. Jump over to amplifier.com slash cool things and check out the offer that they have. Sign up today, man. So speaking of today, Phil Gerbacek is here. He was on the show a long, long time ago, and we talked about the introduction of Sales Navigator on LinkedIn. Well, by now, you know what Sales Navigator is for sure. However, Phil is back because we are going to talk today about the intersection of sales, marketing, and tech. And that's actually really fascinating. I ran into Phil at a conference in Florida, in Tampa, where he lives. He uh, gets to live in the sunny beach town of Tampa, and... uh, we, we hung out uh, at a beachside cafe for a little while and talked, and, and he was just talking about this intersection. And really, if you own a business or you're going to start a business or you're just working for somebody else, you know that sales matters, marketing matters, and tech, we can't live without it. But oftentimes, I don't think we think about how they come together. So Phil Gerbercheck, welcome back to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Oh, thank you, Tom. It's great to be here, man. I'm going to check out that amplifier myself. I mean, that sounds like a heck of a sponsor, dude. They, That's a great solution. So they are they are great. They do screen printing. And I'm just doing t-shirts right now off of uh, when I speak. I've got the whole like module piece about try new things. But people are already asking me for mugs and I have some stickers and stuff like that. And it's like, okay, let's just see if we can sell a few shirts. But they can do all the screen printing and they can do it one at a time. I mean, it's a little more expensive than if I print 5,000 shirts. But you know what? People are starting to buy them, but I don't need 5,000 shirts here right now. So uh, they yeah. and they're a great partner to work with. So call them today. Find out find out what they offer, uh, and they'll they'll tell you what they do. Awesome! I can't wait, man. Can't wait. Well, and I'll tell you what. That's a perfect example of sales, marketing, and tech. Is absolutely exactly what they do. So Phil, let's talk about your philosophy around how these three intersect and where people screw up. Yeah. So first let's, let's talk about the sales piece. And that's the piece that really powers the other two, because if we don't sell anything, it's really hard to fund the other two. It's really hard to say, get excited about anything if we don't have any money. So sales is often the hardest thing. It's the most important thing. And yet in many cases, it's actually the easiest thing because we don't know what the heck we do, but sometimes somehow somebody bought it. So that's cool, right? That's the sales piece. If we do it right, then we have a process and we think about our sales process and aligning that with the customer's journey and what they want, where that overlap is. And sometimes there are things that the customer wants that we don't want to do. And we may have things that the customer doesn't want to do that we need them to do in order to make that work. So the goal is to help the customer see how that aligns with their needs. It's all about the value. And that then leads us into marketing, right? The story the way that we weave our story into theirs, into their needs. Uh, my friend Phil Jones is a genius. He wrote a book called Exactly What to Say, right? He, Phil's been on the show. He has been a guest on my show. Of course he has, right? So Phil's great. Um, Phil talks about these magic words. Because you said, therefore this, right? So if we think about that, that's the marketing piece that we can really inject into that sales. Because what happens is... If our marketing isn't on point and it isn't aligned again with our customer's journey and our sales process, we miss out. We miss out on the opportunity to say, because you said, therefore I have this, because our salespeople are like, what, what, what am I doing here? I don't know. You got, we got marketing. Are you kidding me? Like, where is it? It's not on the website. Uh, what? Uh, so it has to be visible marketing. And that leads us to the third piece. And that's the tech right? The technology behind it. Now, I'm not talking about tech for tech's sake, Tom. Let me be really clear here. I could give a crap if you use a piece of paper and a pen. In fact, I often do. I'm taking notes right here, right? I take notes all day long, every meeting that I have, but I integrate that with my tech. So, I might type up the notes or if I'm really being fancy, I've got a rocket book. This is a rocket book. I can take a picture of this and then scan that in and it'll automatically translate. But it's not tech for tech's sake. 
it's tech because I like the old schoolness of taking notes. It processes in my brain better when I'm talking to someone. And then I like the fact that it's digitized, that I can then search it later because what did I say? What are we talking about? Oh, good. Oh, that's right. I talked to Tom Singer three weeks ago about the intersection of marketing, sales, and tech, and therefore I found it. So as we kind of put those together in a nice Venn diagram, they're never going to be a complete overlap. That's the first mistake a lot of businesses think, oh, it's just one job. Hold up. It's not just one job. You need someone who loves technology, who understands a little bit of marketing and understands some tech. And then you need someone who loves sales more than probably anything else they do and understands that marketing helps get us qualified leads and sells the idea. And then, of course, we've got marketing who loves to make marketing stuff. And when we overlap those and we cover up that little sliver, I've been pretty fortunate to have some very unique jobs. I've been a VP of sales, right? I've been a VP of IT and I've been an acting CMO uh, in some startups and some smaller companies. I have that perspective and, and I help you see that because often what happens is we just think about it from our one circle and not from the three circles. And if we really put it together, right, it's really a three-legged stool. We have that, those three circles, they sit on top, but then we have things that branch out and those are the people that help us execute those things. And we forget about those people and we just focus too much on the silos and that's often when we get in trouble. So there's a history, if you've you know, been in the business world for a long time, that marketing and sales don't always get along. Yeah, Sales always complains that marketing isn't bringing any new real leads, it's all crap, or they don't know what they're doing, so a customer asks about something, they didn't know that that special existed, whatever. Uh, marketing always complains that the salespeople are dropping the ball, they're not doing anything with the leads, they're not doing that. But in the last decade or two, we've added in tech. And now you've got a three-way war going on in a lot of companies because everybody's pointing fingers. So you're talking about this intersection. How do we first get the three different you know, principles of the three different areas in business to even understand that why the others are equally as important? Well, that's an excellent question, and that's often the hardest solution. Uh, but I think it, it starts by getting the three leaders of those organizations together and agree on some language agree on what really powers the business. And at first, I would tell you, right, sales does power the business. If we don't sell, doesn't matter, okay? But marketing feeds into that sales process because marketing is developing those stories because we know that customers are doing more and more research than they've ever done before. Customers are expecting to see press releases and email newsletters and tweets and Facebook posts and blog posts and case studies and podcasts and videos and books and lions and tigers and bears. Oh my, right. They're expecting that. Well, if marketing doesn't produce that sales now has to do marketing's job too. And that's really not fair because that's not sales. Well, sales job is to contextualize the marketing message in that and then leverage the tech because tech makes it, much less frictionable, right? It's much less harder because tech can be the grease that makes the gears spin faster. Or if your tech isn't good, it can be what grinds your organization to a halt. Like if you don't have a CRM and your sales and your marketing team don't know what's in your pipeline, holy cow. Now you're like, well, our tech sucks. Well, no, no, your tech doesn't suck. It doesn't even exist. So we get them together first and we get them to agree on some language. And then from there, then they have to attend each other's meetings. And a lot of times that means marketing attends sales meetings and, and tech attends the sales meetings because salespeople, right? They're the only ones that are based solely on production because they're the ones responsible for closing the sale, right? Marketing might open it up, tech enables the sale and greases it through, but the salesperson the sales team still has to close the sale. And that's not a bad word, okay? For those of you listening, thinking, oh, people hate to be closed. No, hold on. They like to have a decision made, and then they like help implementing that decision. That's the close. Not, hey, here's 74 ways. You want to buy a pen, Tom? Let me tell you how to buy this pen. Waka, waka, waka. No, no, no. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking the decision is made, and now we can move to implementation we can move from sales, marketing, and tech into service delivery. And that's important. 
So that's great, you know, that they attend each other's meetings and they understand what's going on. But most of the people who listen to cool things entrepreneurs do are small businesses. So if you're a solo, let's take this down to you and me. If you're a solopreneur and you don't have the Phil Gerbacek background of sales, marketing, and tech, you know, I have a sales background. And then a little bit of a marketing background. I went from sales into a marketing role, but I was really a sales guy in a marketing role, and I was hired for that. I mean, I think they actually called me business development because that was sort of uh. like like how to create this hybrid thing. But I'm not really that tech savvy. It, as it turns out, I pick it up pretty quick after somebody beats me over the head with it, but I didn't grow up. I'm old enough where I'm not a digital native, right? I grew up, you know, there were still slide rules when I was a kid. Now, we didn't use them when I was in school, but I have older brothers. And I remember they when I was like three, I thought the slide rule was just a cool little toy. But they exist. They were in my house. So I didn't grow up with the tech side. So how does an individual bring all three together? Well, first, you have to understand where your strength or and or passion lies. So what are you most interested in? Is it the sales side? Is it the marketing side or the tech side? Those are the three pieces you need to really get your head around. Now, if your head is in love with the service delivery side, okay, that's the fourth one that we didn't talk a lot about, but I, I want to explain this for an entrepreneur. The difference between working in your business, service delivery is working in, the other three help you work on your business. And in your business, that's okay, but that means you're a service provider, which means you're not really leveraging your business as well as you could. And I suffer from this sometimes. I'm sure you do too, Tom. As an entrepreneur, right, this is the thing. We get so busy delivering the service that we don't fill anything in the pipeline, okay? So start there. What are you most interested in? Do you like sales, marketing, or tech? And then hire a consultant. Hire someone that's going to come in and say, okay, well, Tom, you're great at sales, and that's fantastic. You can close these deals. Heck, you can open some of these deals too. That, that's great. But what are you doing from a marketing side to keep that pipeline full? Or is it just, oh, crap, in 90 days, my pipeline's empty and I hope like hell the phone rings. If that's the case, right, if that's the case, then you're always in the hunt mode and you're never really growing except by increasing your fees. So you have to be careful of that, okay? So hire a consultant to come in and say, okay, well, here's what you could do to build a strategy to really sit down with you, to take some time and to really dig out of you what, that, what you love how you can do more of that, and then how we can take the other two pieces and really then put those into play. Now, you might have to hire a couple consultants, actually, because if you only get one of these or you're, you're worried that you're going to get too much to do, you might need to hire a couple or, you know, you hire someone and you bring in then some executioners, right? Some people to do the work, not to kill you, right? To actually do the work. Because often we get this great strategy, and then three months later, we're like, oh, I'm so tired. Oh, my gosh, I'm so tired delivering service. I don't know what to do, so I'm just going to let everything go. And then you're in the race again, and now we're trying to fill more. So I would say, you know, get a consultant, get some people to help you do the work, um, and then review those goals, right? Review what your targets were. What were you trying to accomplish as a result of the new strategy? Let it run for probably six months. The first 90 days, you're going to be learning to run. The next 30 to 60 days, you're going to be running faster. And hopefully by that day 180, you're really running strong. And now we can just tweak your engine just a little bit to, to help you propel a little faster. So that's really good advice and something that, you know, I've been working for myself now. April 1st will mark 10 years that I've been working entirely for myself as a speaker and, and feeding the family and, and paying the mortgage all from just that. There's been no there's wow. been no other income source other than that now for a whole decade. Uh, and I've had good years and I've had bad years and there have been struggles. Uh, 2017 was a great year. It was the record year. 2018 was a little bit more of a struggle. And part of that came from the fact that I got stretched too thin uh, in the fact that because I had such a great 2017, which bled into 2018, that a lot of it was I was off servicing. Well, when I service, it's not just, oh, you're giving a speech. How great. I'm gone for three days. And one of the things I didn't take into effect is how little I get done when I'm on the road. Now, that's okay because you got to take care of yourself. If you're going to be really great for your audience, you have to be able to be on. So you can't be stretched too thin. But it also meant that I wasn't doing some of the things I needed to do. So at the end of last year, I hired a salesperson. And, you know, I gave it a long runway. I mean, I gave it a runway that it was going to be a year. And, and if he didn't work out, it was going to cost me a lot of money. However, 
early on, he paid for like the first three months. And, you know, as we move now in, you know, as we're a couple months now into 2019, you know, we're seeing the progress. So uh, there is a there is a runway of things that if you're going to hire a consultant or if you're going to hire a salesperson or if you're going to work with, you know, some sort of a third party uh, person that you collaborate with or whatever, I think one of the mistakes people make <clears throat> is they think, oh, three months, we didn't get results. They're fired. And, you know, I saw that in my own my own life. I said, I have to make a commitment you know, to working with this guy for a year, and he has to have the the freedom to beat me up a little bit because he's my systems guy. I'm not a systems oriented person, so he's marrying sort of sales, marketing, and tech for me, and you know, driving me into that lane. Uh, what other what are other mistakes that you see people make where they fail? Well, you mentioned the big one about driving yourself too thin. That's one. Uh, another one is thinking you don't need this stuff, thinking that you can just let it happen is a big mistake as well. Um, business isn't magic. What? I'm sorry, folks. Wait, what? I know. You can my, quote my me My whole that, business plan is three drops of magic fairy dust with a unicorn horn. Sprinkle, 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 right? So it doesn't work. So that's that whole magic thing. Uh, hope and pray, not a strategy either. Um, I think another thing that, that uh, businesses forget to do is really being clear on who your target audience is. Your best target audience is one who not only hires you, but also refers you out. Now, I'm not saying that's the only person you serve. That's not it at all. What I'm saying is know who your best audience is because they will help you grow the business. So whoever your best customer is, how do you replicate them? What qualities do they have? What things have they said to you that you can use? So another way that businesses forget and, and flub up a little bit is they don't ask their favorite customers like, so why did you like working with me? What was it about me that you enjoyed the most? And of course, the other way, right? How can I improve? How can I get better? And the answer to the how can I get better or how, you know, what did you like most isn't always going to be perfect. A lot of times they don't even understand what you're asking there. So give them an example. For instance, when we worked on this project, you mentioned that you really liked the fact that I was very responsive in my emails. Can you talk a little bit more about why responsiveness is really good? And then let them talk. And if you can, try to get it on camera. But if not, record it and then use their words. Don't try to edit it to be perfect. Use those words because then when you talk to others like them, again, this is where the ideal customer comes in. When you're talking to others like them, that language is still magic for them as well. Because they're like, oh, yeah, that makes so much sense. So, Phil, I could talk to you all day about this stuff because you're so damn smart. But first, I have to thank the other sponsor of this episode. Yeah, there's two. As always, this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that you're going to sound amazing they do all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content growing your audience and interviewing really cool people like phil gerbacek hey if you want to start a podcast and i know a lot of you do jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show so phil when i think of phil gerbacek yeah there's sales there's marketing but I think tech. But where I really think your expertise lies is I think you're the best expert I know when it comes to using LinkedIn as a tool for business. So I have a question. Is LinkedIn sales? Is it marketing? Or is it tech? It is all three. No, I think I knew that answer. Of course you did, right? So it really is. But why is it tech, right? So it's an app on your phone. It's sales navigator. It's a messaging platform. It's marketing because... It has the ability to update your status, which is like a Facebook wall or like a Twitter post. It's the ability to write a full-on article, to upload video. Now, as of this week, they just launched it, Tom, that you can actually upload documents. Pretty crazy stuff. Write to your status. So now we can do that. It's also got point drive. So wait, so now, let's back up. So this would have been a yeah. couple months ago from the time we recorded this when you say just this right. week, people are going to be like, yeah. that is old well, news. Well, they're, they're rolling it out, right? They haven't so, rolled it out to everybody so, yet. So what type of documents? Tell me, I haven't, I haven't seen this at the time yes. we recorded it. By the time, By the time it's airing, I'll probably be uploading documents every day. What is it? 
Yeah. So in our status on LinkedIn, we have the ability to upload a PDF, upload a Word document, or upload a PowerPoint. We'd already had the ability to upload um, video. So this is a pretty big deal. And it's interesting, though, there's no capture there, which means I have no idea. I just show off this cool thing. So Point Drive is basically the, up, the upgraded version of that. Point Drive is inside of Sales Navigator, which is, again, it's a sales tool, a tech tool, and a marketing tool because marketing could give us a beautiful PDF that then we send to our clients, that then we get alerted when they, when they click on the link and go in. And then sales then follows up with a phone call. Ring, ring. Hey, Tom. I see you just looked at this cool things entrepreneur thing, entrepreneurs do document that I put together for you. Did you have some questions that I could help you answer? And you're like, well, how'd you know that? Well, it's not magic. It's technology. So, you know, link, LinkedIn has all three. And I would tell you the reason that I love it the most, of course, is because it has all three, but also because that's where your audience lives. If you're a B2B salesperson, if you work with other businesses, every Fortune 500 is there. Every two, every second, two people join LinkedIn. Hmm. LinkedIn is number one for recruiting. There's no other tool out there, well, so which that, means people are joining. So that's something that comes up when I talk about like my, my talk, connecting with people in a gadget crazy yeah. world. One of the things I always tell people is if you're not on LinkedIn, you're not going to get found by recruiters. Now, that's great if you're 65 years old and retiring in October. But if you think there's any chance that you might want to change jobs or that you might have to change jobs or that the world could throw you out on your ass and you have to get a job, you know, you can't wait till that time. And, and I talk about I've actually interviewed recruiters uh, and they've told me that, look, 20 years ago, we needed those 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 hub people. Like I was one of them. I have a lot of recruiter friends because, you know, back in the 90s, if they needed to know somebody working in and around tech in Austin, I knew everybody. I was really well networked. They needed to know those people who were the hubs. And they go, now you don't matter to me as much because it's great that you network and you go out. And, I, and my career has changed. I'm not as well plugged into the tech community in Austin. But if I was, they don't need me because they can just kind of find people through the electronic technical thing. So I'm always amazed when when you say two people a second are joining or whatever that was, I'm still amazed that everyone's not there. So why why are there people listening to this show right now who either don't have a LinkedIn profile or have what I call a lame LinkedIn profile, which is the one where they signed up once and they have three friends and one of them is their brother? Why would somebody either have no profile or a lame profile in 2019? Well, I think the first reason is because people are very comfortable where they are right now, and they don't think they're ever going to need to network at all. They need to buy a, a Try New Things t-shirt. They do. Absolutely. Yep. If, you're that, Absolutely. if you're that comfortable where you are, you need a reminder uh, that you have to try new things. Yep. Try new things, what, dot shop, you said, Tom? Try, try new things, dot shop. That's it. Yeah. So get a new, get a t-shirt and get a life, right? So get on... LinkedIn. Uh, so that's the first reason. I think they're too comfortable where they are. They haven't ever changed jobs. I can tell you, um, I left my last big corporate job uh, almost uh, almost nine years ago. Okay, and what happened is many of the managers that I worked with they didn't believe in LinkedIn at all, and then half the team got laid off. <laughs> I quit of my own accord, but half the team got laid off two months after I left, and they're like, "Oh my gosh, what do I do? I don't even have a LinkedIn profile." Well, get your button gear, right? Dig your well before you're thirsty. Harvey McKay, right? So get your button gear, get your LinkedIn. So that's the first reason to get comfortable. Second reason is because they've never, they think it's only a recruiting tool, only a job seeker tool. Oh my gosh, it's just a bunch of lame job seekers posting all sorts of crap about how to get a better job. Wrong. Not even close, right? So even though recruiting powers the platform, I can tell you that there are communities in LinkedIn groups and groups are coming back. Likely by the time you listen to this, groups are going to have a resurgence. Maybe not as great as Facebook groups, but they're going to be darn good because there's still networking opportunities there. So it gives us an opportunity to really get connected. And the third reason I think that more people aren't on LinkedIn, frankly, Tom, is because I think they're afraid. They're afraid of success. They don't want to be successful. They just are very, very happy where they are. And they think, you know what? If I get any more successful, I'm not going to know what to do. 
Well, and the great news is you can control that. I mean, it almost sounds you know funny when you say that, but the reality is the research I've done around this whole paradox of potential uh, uh, stuff that I've been doing is fear is one of the number one reasons, and it's not fear of failure. I mean, mm-hmm. it is. That's the number one answer. But oftentimes, it's fear of success. It's fear of what other people think. And so for your LinkedIn example, is this a case where people are like, well, if I go out there and post status updates or talk about what I'm doing, people think I'm being braggadocious. So therefore, I'm just not going to log on and ever post anything because others might judge me. Is that is that what you mean? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Right. The fear of being judged is as big. And, and really, though, also the success of if somebody sees how brilliant I am, I really like where I am. Again, it goes back to number one about the comfort. If somebody really knows how awesome I am, boy, I'm just going to be overrun with opportunities. And the good news is you can turn this off and you can control it. One of my best tips for actually using LinkedIn effectively is to only post when you have time to be present and respond. So when you're thinking about, oh boy, I only have five minutes, don't post. Don't post. Certainly if you know that this is your time to use LinkedIn or you know you got a message or you know you got a connection from someone that you want to talk to, go on and accept that, send a quick message, but don't post. What I want you to make really clear is think about it as a cocktail party. When you walk in the cocktail party, say, hey, what's up? I'm Phil Grimishak. And then start handing out your business cards and then run out the other side of the room. <laughs> that, wouldn't go, that wouldn't work. It would not work. So don't do that. So don't post unless you have time to respond. So those are my three big reasons, Tom. So let's go a little deeper with LinkedIn, though. So I think LinkedIn's a great tool. I was an early adopter of it. And yet I've always believed that a like, a link, a share, and a follow is not really a relationship. So if all we do is link to people, you know, there's outliers. There's examples where people have gotten an online click and then they become friends. But but let's use you as an example. So you and I met through the blogosphere back in like 2005, I think we'd figured out. And the reality was, is maybe you linked, LinkedIn was probably brand new back then. Uh, Maybe you linked out through some digital thing, but you and I ended up jumping on an actual phone call. Now I know it was 2005 when phones were used for voice, but I remember, because I remember I was sitting at my computer and we talked and we talked about who Phil was and what you did. And that was even great, right? So we were LinkedIn and we had a phone call. But I don't think that you and I actually had a, a business relationship and a friendship for many years later when we started encountering each other online and in person at a variety of different industry events, both from the marketing world and from the speaking world. And then we built a friendship. And I think a lot of people get fed up because, well, I, I sent her a friend request and she accepted it on LinkedIn and, and now she won't go to lunch with me. Well, it doesn't work that way. A, a, the link on LinkedIn does not make her a lunch buddy. You're absolutely right. The good news is that we can fill in the gap between, hey, I'm Phil and hey, Tom, let's go to lunch with the digital space. So what do I mean? I can absolutely read your articles, read your posts and comment on them thoughtfully. I call it looking people in the eyes, right? I go to Tom's profile and I look him in the eyes and I see what he's doing. I see what's in common. I see where I can add value. And I do. From there, my goal is to get a phone call. Let's have a conversation. Let's talk. Now, even better, let's have a Zoom call. Let's have a video call. Let's see if we can do that. Let's see if we can go a little bit deeper. Or, hey, let's see, is there something that we're both attending? Now, virtual or in-person doesn't make much of a difference, really, because it gives us something to talk about besides ourselves. Because that is what we need to really go deeper, to get to the lunch request. Because Frankly, if I'm just going to talk about me and you're just going to talk about you, that's really lame. (laughs) We need to talk about something that we have in common, and that's this event. So that's an NSA event for Tom and I, right? That's a You attended the same webinar somebody else did, and you've got insight about this. Or they didn't attend, and you did, and you can share that, and not in a salesy way. The goal is not to go from, hey, Tom, we're friends on Facebook, we're connected on LinkedIn, to, hey, buddy, you should do business with me, Shooter. But don't a lot of people do that? Like uh, too yeah. many people? Like everybody? Uh, yeah, like most people do. In fact, um, I'm, I was reading in one post today that somebody wants to automate all their lead generation. Really? Tom, what would you do if a thousand people in five minutes from now, a thousand people at the same time, hit submit on your contact form with leads for you speaking? I'd be so happy, but I'd, my head would explode. Your head... So, physical business or not, 
doesn't matter. If a thousand of a thousand people, and because of course you didn't qualify and they just came in the front door, what are you going to do? So slow down. Understand that you don't need a thousand people. You don't even need a hundred people. If you could get 10 people today and 10 people tomorrow and 10 people the next day that you could talk to about your business in a meaningful way, and you could qualify two to five of those each time that you did that, and then eventually go deeper in a relationship, life would be really good. But this is where it starts out with something I said at the beginning. Who is your best customer? If you don't know, you get a thousand turds that ascend you. And you're like, God, what do I do? I have no idea. I don't have time. So often I know when that happens to me, because, you know, sometimes the spam gets through and I'm like, oh boy, I just do nothing. I just freeze. And that doesn't help my business at all. So I say, you know, make the time with the right people, build that relationship. It now takes longer and longer to get to the trust factor because people are so skeevy. And yet people are so quick to try to do business with you that if you're all about the value, you stand out. So find ways to add value and insight in everything you do. And people will be way more apt to talk about you than if you just talk about yourself. So one of the things I hear a lot, and I hear a lot from millennials is they're trying to reach somebody because maybe they're looking for a job. Maybe they're in sales. They're trying to reach somebody. So they've, they've connected on LinkedIn and the person has accepted it. But that person doesn't seem to be a user of LinkedIn because there's a mm-hmm. lot of people who have, like I talked before, they have the lame profile. They'll, they'll check it once in a while. They'll accept people's stuff, but, but they don't read your articles. They don't see your posting. They, they don't even log on unless maybe they get a, a ping or something like that. And they're frustrated because they're like, I've, I've reached out. I've sent them in mails and, and stuff like that. What do you do if you're an active user on this platform or I guess any platform and the person you're really trying to, you want to build a relationship. You want to be there for them. You want it to be win-win. They're not really playing. I mean, part this works really well. LinkedIn works really well when you're there and I'm there and we both use it the same way. The yeah. problem is that's like almost never. Mm-hmm. No, I agree with that. So to that point, then you need to find a way to change the channel. So you're on LinkedIn. I see that uh, you are from Los Angeles originally, right? Out in California, Southern California, Tom. And what do I do? Well, I can continue to just send you messages or I can look to see where in Southern California you're from. And I can say, hmm, okay, do, what is unique about there that might connect with Tom? And then send some lumpy mail. Hey, maybe use Amplifier, right, to create something really cool that I can send. Although I would say, be careful of that on the first message because that's all about you, not about them. So do some research. Figure that out show up where they're showing up. You can see, right, once you connect to them, the good news is you get their email address. You can search that email address, see where else they might be hanging out. You can work with your marketing team to do some retargeting on Facebook so you can get in front of them more, right? If you're just an entrepreneur, right, you can certainly create a lookalike audience on Facebook and do that. Use the tech to your advantage. Or like I said, change the channel, right? The lowest tech way to do that where are they? If they're close, go drive to their location, bring them a cup of coffee, a glass of tea, maybe some lemonade, whatever it is, right? Something that they like. Hopefully you paid attention, right? You did some Google searching. Hopefully you have something in common with them that you can talk about. And I call this one of the, I call this the three eyes. After you look them in the eyes, right? You got three eyes to connect with people. It's either in common. So Tom's from Southern California. I know people from Southern California. I can talk to that. That might be an in common or someone, right? If I'm, if it's someone that I'm friends with and Tom wants to meet them, well, Tom asks me, says, hey, Phil, here's someone that you know, would you be willing to make an introduction? And the answer is, of course I would, Tom. Happy to do that for you, buddy. So that's in common. Then it's insight. So what's their job? What's their industry? What's their company doing? What have they done, right? So if you look and you're looking for, okay, well, what are the top 27 things that are keeping chief marketing officers up at night? What are the 27 things that are keeping home homeowners up at night? Do some Google searching. My gosh, there's never been more content. You don't even have to write it. Just search for it. Use those to start conversations. And then the third eye is to be interested and interesting. So look, do a Google search. Tom, I see that you're a runner now. Dude, you know, I'm running the Disney Princess 5K coming up pretty soon. And have you ever run that? What do you think about that? 
what's your next 5K? And now again, we have some conversation about that. And you don't have to do it on LinkedIn. Send them a handwritten letter. Cut out a newspaper clipping, right? Send them an article from the Wall Street Journal. Send them a book and bookmark a chapter that they need to read based on their job. Change the channel to really get connected. I think that I think that's great advice. And I had a little story happen a couple months ago, and it wasn't a business story. It was just kind of one of those little aha moments that happened. But I was in a coffee shop I'd never been in before, and I was wearing a San Diego State T-shirt. And the woman who was ringing me up said, "Oh, did you go to San Diego State?" And I said, "I did." And she goes, "Oh, I went to a soccer camp once there when I was in high school." She goes, "What a beautiful campus!" And she goes, "We played on their soccer fields and stayed in the dorms." And I said, "Oh, yeah, it's a great school." I said, "Did you grow up in Southern California?" And she said, "Oh, I grew up in Pasadena." And I looked at her and I said, oh, my God, I went to Arcadia High. And she screamed because she didn't really grow up in Pasadena. She grew up in Arcadia, but she thought, who would ever know where that was? So she just tells people in Texas, I grew up in Pasadena, California, because they've heard of that because you always get the Rose Parade on New Year's Day straight from Pasadena. And I'm like, no way. I went to Arcadia High. She goes, so did I. And I'm 30 years older than she is. And I said, I think I'm one or two years older. And I said, whereabouts in town did you live? And she told me, and I knew some people over there. And I, she said, how about you? And I said the name of the street. And she goes, oh, one of my best friends lived on that street. She goes, she had a rich doctor dad, or he had a rich doctor for a dad. And I'm like, really? And I said the doctor's name who lived across the street from me. And the girl freaked out because that was her high school friend's parents. And she spent tons of time there. And I said, yeah, there was a house directly across the street. Uh, where that family used to go swimming all the time. And she knew the story of the old man who lived across the street who had passed away and this and that. And, and she was like, oh my God, that was my dad. And we had this huge connection. And then she came over and talked to me. My daughter had played at that house with her friends when my daughter was there one summer. And my daughter goes, they had the coolest TV. You pushed a button and the TV came out of a console. And so the girl came over and I said, oh, my daughter just said they had a TV. And she goes, the one that came out of the console. And so we just laughed and we had a great conversation. Now, you know, I don't do business with the coffee shop. I mean, it wasn't something that led, she wasn't hiring speakers, but we had a great moment. And that's just a reminder that when you pay attention, she saw the shirt. She said a few things. I paid attention. I asked a few questions. Bam. All of a sudden it was a delightful human interaction. And when you can couple that into business, that's where things get done. Yeah, well, that's the power of the specific that really is huge. You know, I've had a similar conversation with Mark J. Lindquist. I don't know if you know Mark or not, Mm -hmm. but Mark is from Fargo, North Dakota. Mark is adopted a Korean man, uh, Fargo, North Dakota. He's one of two Koreans in the city, which is really funny, right? So he's got license plate that says, I am Asian. He just moved to Colorado not long ago, Um, but really, really funny guy. Well, his parents are both from the Midwest as well, like me. I'm from Wisconsin. So when I met his dad, Gordon, Gordon said, so Phil, where are you from? And I said, you know, I live in Tampa. He said, no, no, where are you from? And I said, well, I grew up in Wisconsin. He said, no, no, really, where are you from? And I said, well, I lived in Milwaukee. He goes, no, where did you grow up? And I said, Krivitz. He said, Krivitz. He goes, do you know Katie Sharkey? (laughs) I said, well, of course I do. She's the florist in town. And I went to Cub Scouts and Boy Scouts and church with them. She goes, great. Gordon says, great. I, uh, I went to middle school with Katie in Minneapolis, Minnesota. That's funny. Yeah. The power of the specific. That's man. right. And then you, you got you to be interested. Uh, that's ex- I think you just hit it right there. You have to be interested. So let's wrap this where we started. The intersection of sales, marketing, and tech. What's something you want to leave everybody with? Well, I, I want to leave you with this. Every piece of them is important. If you can't do it yourself, you need to find somebody who does Don't stretch any one of them too thin. Don't stretch yourself too thin. Yes, they are circles with some overlap, but I also want you to think about them as a perfect isosceles triangle with perfect corners that if you pull on one side too much, you don't have a triangle anymore. You don't have a business anymore. So take the time to keep them in balance. No one is more important or less important than the other, though of course we know Sales does power your business. So that means sometimes you got to bring your tech and your marketing a little bit closer to sales to get them in better alignment, and then you can put them back to normal. But take the time and really understand who your perfect customer is so that you can do business with them using sales, marketing, and technology. Phil Gerberchek, thank you so much for coming back to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. I so appreciate you. 
My pleasure, Tom. Thanks for having me, buddy. And thank you to everybody who listened. I say it every show. If it wasn't for the audience, why would we do this? Uh, I love it when people reach out to me via the socials or through email or some other way and tell me that they listen to the show. Tell me something that they liked about one of the episodes. Maybe you like Phil Gerbacek, uh, you know, whatever it is, because then I know people are paying attention. Number one reason people say they found my show when I asked them, somebody they know told them to listen. So if you like the show, go tell a friend because it's the only way I get more listeners and we just grow the community. If you want to find out more about me, it is all at TomSinger.com. That's T-H-O-M-S-I-N-G-E-R.com. And, uh, you know, I talk a lot about trying new things. I think that if you want to become stronger, win or lose, trying new things builds that muscle of strength and courage. And the only way you're going to get there is if you go out and try new things because if you keep getting the same results from the same actions, you shouldn't be surprised. So go out there and try something new. Let me know what you tried. Let me know how it went. And while you're doing it, have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at, at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.